0: Hey what's up, I'm Vanessa, I'm Mary, I'm Gillian, I'm Ruka, and this is the very latest episode of the and Full Full Eps Podcast, your go-to place for relatable content for the African diaspora down under. The black of the podcast, the sweet of the bands. Hello everyone and welcome to this third installment of our Straight Out the Pot series where we'll be interviewing elders in our community in a way that Helps us create archives of our community's histories in Australia. And for today's installment, we have a very, very special guest. My mum! Hello! Hello! Introduce yourself, what's your name? Yeah, my name is Sanait. Uh, yeah! Yeah! <laughs> yeah!
1: Yeah, living in Australia,
0: mm-hmm. in
1: Sydney, for the last 28 years.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah! Actually, today, not yesterday, was it three days ago? Yes. It was your anniversary. Of since you came. 28
1: years since I came in Australia.
0: So, almost three decades. Yeah. Long time, long time. Yeah. So, we'll start from the beginning. Why did you come to Australia and how did you end up coming?
1: Yeah, I came in Australia by um, you know, spouse visa. My fiancé uh, sponsored me as his spouse. And then we get married here.
0: Your fiancé being my dad, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> so, um, how long was that process for you? From from the beginning of him requesting for you to come to you actually touching down.
1: Yeah, about eighteen months. It takes eighteen months to sponsor me. Even that was a quicker because he has a, a car accident. And the immigration facilitates for him, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I didn't
1: the car ax- <laughs> yeah, accident,
0: yeah. And as in, like, so you could be his carer or something? Yeah, something like they
1: facilitate for him.
0: Okay. And how yeah. did you. So, what was your life like at that point when you, you know, you had the opportunity to come to Australia? What was your life like in Ethiopia when you left? So, was, give us some context of what you were doing, what you had been doing for the most of your adult life before you came here.
1: Yeah, I went to nursing college for three years, and uh, I was working in um, uh, province and then the capital city for almost nine years. So, I was I was working as a registered nurse before I came here.
0: So, what where, what kind of work did you do? Like, I know in that time. Um, in Ethiopia, especially, there were lots of stuff going on. What kind of what regions were you sent to, and then like what kind of nursing? Were you, were you did you ever? I know there was a famine, there was a war. Yeah, there was the AIDS epidemic. What was the different types of nursing you were doing, and where did you do it? Yeah,
1: one well, after I am graduate, I went straight to the in the west of the country when uh, the 1995 uh, famine hit the north and the the government mobilized the people from north to west to settle them so i was working in that settlement area uh, for the first after i gra- graduate the first two years with them mm-hmm. uh in settlement area uh, we we have a mobile hospital which is really fully like functioning general hospital like with a lot of doctors, nurses mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah, after that I came to the capital city working uh, in, as a midwife in the maternity ward.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, and so what was that experience like in Ethiopia during the famine? Like what was it, was it um, a bit overwhelming for you? Was it maybe something you were used to because you had studied a lot in your, like you know when nurses they do when you started to be a nurse, it's not just just writing in books. You get to do practical work. Yeah. Or was it a bit of both?
1: Yeah, a bit of both. Uh, we, we started helping for the people who was uh, affected by uh, famine when I, when we were in uh, in the college. Mm-hmm. We used to collect food for them and they give it to them. Like the people was everywhere in the city mm-hmm. because they they left the area they used to live so since then we start helping them once i graduated and the government allocated me the that area to help them yeah to we used to have a feeding center for the kids uh from uh, like under five mm-hmm. to give them supplementary food like um, um like protein high protein high carb we used to have a, a feeding center in, in like um to help them to recover f- quick from the uh, the famine.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So you had some experience with like malnourishment and stuff. Yeah. What would you say was b- difference, b- the big difference or the big shock for you actually being on the ground when you're resettled to was it w- so West Ethiopia? Yeah, West. So w- what's that region called? Wellega. Wellega. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's where you were settled when you were in the first. That was 1985. Yeah. Okay. And so you were settled there allocated there by Dirk, which was the government at the yeah, time. Yeah. And so, my understanding is, because it was a communist government, there were mm-hmm. um, anyone with those certain qualifications was moved throughout the country according to the need.
1: Yeah, like a soldier. They used to mobilise us as a, like a soldier. Nurses, like, as a soldier, we always go, like, in... Very difficult place, like war zone, uh, like, as I said, settlement zone, mm-hmm. all that area we used to go. Especially when you're the first graduate, the first three years, mm-hmm. you have to serve the country when you need it.
0: Okay, and that's compulsory, like? Yeah, that's compulsory. Of getting your qualification. They don't even
1: give you your degree or diploma. Oh. Yeah, unless you finish the serve.
0: Interesting. Yeah. What do you think of that?
1: Uh, that's for the for the country it's good because yeah. the like the in the in the country cost is you just trained and left the system No, mm. you have to serve the country. I like that part of the thing okay. and i I serve it okay
0: yeah mm. that's so what I to what you were saying, so when you were put in Wellega, mm. what was your experience like there when you ended up in in western Ethiopia for the famine relief
1: Uh yeah, it it's a bit sad. Like mm. people they couldn't get food, they get starved and especially the kid the young kids and the mothers, the breastfeeding mothers. Mm. It's it it was really heartbreaking but uh like we used to work twenty four, twenty four hours anytime they can call us because we used uh we used to live in the premises. Mm. So anytime was any, need as they call us, and uh, we we used to travel place to place to check all the settlement area mm-hmm. if they need medication. Like we used to do, take medication and check on every center. Was that they have a clinic in in uh, in every suburb? So yeah, we used to check. I used to travel with a group of uh, medical team. Mm, okay. At the same time, we check the feeding centre, if any supply they need, any workforce they need, all that stuff.
0: Oh, okay. So Mm. your primary of your service, your national service, was with the famine relief? Yeah. Okay. Mm. And then, so you were in lagar for two years? Mm -mm. Three years. Three years, Mm. sorry. And then were you moved for any other relief or just mainly mainly the famine stuff?
1: Uh, In general practice too. Like in general nursing, when I was working in the hospital... I used to as a, practice as a nurse, mm-hmm. but when when you relieve the famine, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. to support. And
0: um, something else happened in Walaga as well, right? What happened?
1: <laughs> I met my fiance.
0: <laughs> I mean, my dad. Yeah, yeah. your husband now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how under what context did you guys yeah, meet? He he actually he was working
1: to uh, with the uh, agriculture minister because he graduated as. Uh, Uh, Agriculturist. Mm -hmm. So to to help the people who was um, settled there, how to harvest, Mm. yeah, their own um, uh, crop and this and that. So they he used to help them. Like he used to work in that side of the uh, settlement. Okay. Yeah, I was working in the health side, and he was working as an agricultural. what they call it, um uh, agriculture a uh, technician or okay. something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah, okay. cool.
0: So after you like left that part you went to Addis and what was the gap between your reallocation to Addis after your service and coming to Australia? What was happening in the interim there?
1: Yeah, I was working as a registered nurse in uh, one of uh, the biggest uh, referral hospital in Addis, in, Addis Ababa, in the capital city in the maternity world.
0: Okay. And then, so give me the context, under. When did you get that call? How did that happen? How did you hear that dad wanted you to come to Australia and be with him?
1: Yeah. Um, he was in, uh, in uh, university. He went back to finish his study, Bachelor of Agriculture. So in the meantime, there was a change of government. So because of that, he left the country. Mm -hmm. He left the country and uh, he was in Kenya. So from Kenya, he got um, some settlement to to come in Australia. Mm -hmm. So he came here and uh, he sponsored me as his fiancée.
0: Okay. So... How did he tell you that that he wanted you to come? Did he? Were you in contact with him when he when he was in refugee and coming yeah. to Australia? So you guys were in contact. Yeah, we are in contact. So, how did he? Did he? Was the whole time? Did you have the understanding that you're going to eventually be there? Or were you not sure? Like, be to come to with him to wherever he where he was going. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was sure. Okay, mm-hmm. so he called you. What was your? Now you come for context. My mum comes from a place in Ethiopia called hearted and you have lots of siblings so you're already away from them
1: yeah since i i was in college yeah and uh when i was working in province in the evening at this
0: yeah so you're away from them since you were pretty much 18 so you're you they're used to you being away what was their reaction when you told them i'm going to australia to live there
1: yeah, they are a bit sad, but at the same time, it's uh, like um, being in third world country to go for like America, Australia, Canada. And that's a that's a good thing, too. Like when you think it when you are there, even your family, they're going to be happy, but at the same time, they're going to miss you, and then you're going to miss them, you feel mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. So, in a bit of everything.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And what was like. What was your expectation of coming to Australia? What did you th- heard of, hear about Australia and what, was, what were you thinking about it?
1: Yeah, when I come, when I come, I was thinking because I already um, uh, studied nursing in college for three years and uh, with a lot of practice for working about nine years in my profession when I came in Australia and they're going to take me straight to <laughs> practice as a nurse. But I couldn't find it that much easy. Mm. Yeah, even to get in the course, to get this course, it was really difficult in uh, those times, in 90s, very, very difficult. Mm. You know? So I have to go to TEF again to do Diploma of Nursing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And how did you, like, how did you find it socially? Oh, the social is very shocking. <laughs> shocking?
1: <laughs> shocking, <Very laughs>
0: you guys can see, my mom was literally sh- shaking her head, just saying, shocking.
1: <laughs> Imagine. There was a few people, maybe less than 10 people, uh, like the same background. Like from our community? Yeah. yeah. And it's really, oh, you miss everything. You miss every part of your life, like your friend, your family, your country, your culture everything yeah yeah so you boom like
0: that
1: (laughs) (laughs) and then you have to crawl to get up from there
0: so that's like like typical homesickness right yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. Yeah. maybe i feel better after i have my daughter (laughs) really (laughs) we change my life yeah
0: you think so i always wonder what you were thinking having me so early because when you arrived in what what day March, March 4th, I arrived. In when after. did you find out you were pregnant with me? Maybe in April. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even wait one month before. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <it's that. laughs> yeah. So, you know, you were kind of forced to get up anyway. Mm. But what would you... How did you really cope in the beginning? Yeah,
1: the beginning... Was a bit difficult because there was a morning sickness and this and that. But later, I knew I'm going to have some dolly to play with. <laughs> <laughs> so I was expecting my daughter. Mm-hmm. It was a surprise. I don't know who daughter or son. Okay. But I, I have somebody in my womb. So <laughs> after I have her, I feel happy.
0: So you felt, so a lot of women would actually be vulnerable to, like, postpartum depression in that instance. Yeah,
1: I, I, don't, I don't deny I, I didn't get that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, back home, when you have a baby, big celebration, all the families around you, especially your mom always with you mm-hmm. to, to make sure everything is all right with you. Look after your baby. You're not bothering, even you're not getting up. Yeah. Yeah from your uh, bedroom to do anything imagine here all of a sudden when you came out from the hospital you have to you have to cook for your family you yeah. have to think about shopping you have to feed your baby everything mm. and my husband he used to work long hours yeah yeah so i was by, i was by myself good we i used to talk over the phone like yeah, we used to pay a lot of money for food. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair yeah. enough. But like, do you feel that um, objectively? Obviously, we're all happy that I'm here now. Do you feel that maybe it was a bit too soon to have me, or mm. do you think that it helped you in some way? Like, which way? Yeah. Do you both. Think it is? Okay.
1: Yeah. For in other side, it it was too soon because I don't know much about the. the like, the, the lifestyle here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, to have, like, to see my family growing up and I have somebody to talk, to play with, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> She's yeah. She's so good. She never annoyed me. She's a good baby. She slept all night. She didn't bother me to wake up at the middle of night to feed her. She mm. sleep and,
0: yeah, okay all right so you think it it was kind of therapeutic in a yeah. way yeah yeah um how about let's go back to like what you what you found challenging socially and i think family wise as well because i remember one time you told me that your mom when she was pregnant she had like i think it was 11 children mm. and when she was pregnant, it was from like the six month mark. Her mom or your grandma and your aunties would come and look after yeah, her. She wouldn't have to do anything. Nothing. But with your pregnancy, that obviously wasn't the case. No,
1: there no one here. So I have to look after myself. I have, I have to prepare myself. So that was a bit hard.
0: Yeah. yeah. And was it you working throughout your pregnancy with me?
1: Yeah, I used to work casual till maybe five months. Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay. And. So, between the process of like of having me and then getting that qualification, um, when did you actually start working in your field again?
1: Yeah, after I have you uh, when you were 18 months, I went to English class. Mm-hmm. So I did my English class that was compulsory okay. b- like none speak uh, non- English speak background if you are, even though you speak English, you have to go for five hundred ten hours English class. Wow, yeah. So I did that, and uh, after I did that, so I went to go to TEF. Okay, all right. Yeah, one year. Oh, uh, and while uh, while like I was doing for uh, looking for courses, in the meantime fe- I felt pregnant for the second baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, and that's my brother, yeah. obviously, yeah. and so. Did that stop? Did you stop for a while, or did you continue?
1: Yeah, but you know, the pregnancy test, I did my exam in September, waiting for the result in September. the September. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, I get. Uh, I was. I did my my exam and uh, I was waiting for my, the result. So in the meantime, I have my. Test was positive for pregnancy.
0: Oh. I just keep quiet and
1: <laughs> I pass the exam and I start my course. Mm-hmm. So I didn't say anything with the co- the, the, the the college. I didn't yeah. tell them anything. When when my tummy growing and one of the the director she called me once uh, <laughs> in her office and she asked me, "Is this a plum pregnancy?" I said that this no, but. It happened. It happened. I make the, the pregnancy continue. Mm-hmm. So okay. Once you finish your um, class, mm-hmm. uh, before you start practical uh, area. Yeah. Um, what was that? Yeah. I I talked to the um, the principal. Um, that wasn't planned, but it happened. I mm-hmm. I keep the pregnancy she said to me okay you finish your theory side of your course before you start practical go for your maternity leave mm-hmm. have your baby stay with him next year you will start in practical area okay so i went for maternity leave for 10 months and uh, back to my course and finished it
0: okay so how old was how old was my brother when you Restart. When you restarted, yeah, ten months, ten months. Old. Yeah, and you had to put him in childcare. Yeah, was that? Did you, did you find that difficult? Yeah, it was really
1: dif- difficult. Yeah.
0: Was it because he was a <laughs> because he was a weepy baby? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was obviously a much more easier child. He was yeah, a bit more crying, a bit more crying, suki baby, mommy <laughs> mommy
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But once I finished my course, I didn't go to a full time job. I just went, stay in. Casual, casual position. Um, looking after my babies till they start school, things like that.
0: Okay, okay. So, what was the obviously our community now? Like sometimes I see a Harborside person in the street, and I don't even know them. It's like, so, <laughs> it's so wild, right? Yeah. Whereas before, like it's like every Harborside in this city, I knew them, and the the dynamic has changed. Everything has changed. Describe what the community was like. In that early time when me and my brother were young, and you you had just come here to be with dad, what was the community like at the time, and what was the relationship that you had with yeah, them like?
1: The community is different at this at that time. Very small community. Uh, we look at like each other like a family. Mm. We're very close. We always there if somebody need help, or uh, we we know like what's what's going on in our friend's like. Mm. every anyone sick or have a baby uh, somebody lost uh, some loved ones and this and that we know each other mm. but still the relationship is still like it's not the same but but still we keep it on touch the mm. people who was uh, there th- at that time but now the community is growing very growing very big we don't know even who is who mm-hmm. yeah.
0: and in in that time I think that was a huge part of your support system when you were pregnant with me and, and my brother and yeah. when we were really young was them.
1: Yeah. That is a, it's a good relationship. Like, we are always supporting each other. Everybody was in my place. I never cook. Like, maybe after I have my baby, one month, people comes with the food and they come to help me with housework, things like that. Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um. So, obviously, you know, at this point when you had finished... Your course and stuff. you yeah, had been in Australia for a few for a few years, and then you really started to work. And but I guess working is when you really get to see a country the way like the social side. Because mm-hmm. when you have your kids and stuff, you're at home kind of. and you have your community. Mm-hmm. What was the most shocking for you? Like, do you have any stories where you're like, oh my god, this Australians are so different? To us, do you have any moments where you realize these people are very different to us culturally? Like I'm, I'm not used to things like this.
1: Okay, let, let me tell you this story. When I was working as in a, in a nurse in um, Westminster Hospital, one day I feel sick. I have a headache, very bad headache. So I asked the nurse who was working with me to have a Panadol. She just gave it to me with Panadol, and she didn't even ask me what was wrong with me, (laughs) why I need Panadol, what happened to me. She didn't. I was so disappointed. (laughs) What type of people did (laughs) this? How come she didn't ask me what happened to me? Mm. Oh my God! Yeah, that was. But when I learn now, it's nothing of like none of our business. Whatever, whatever happened to me, to me, unless Mm. I. She like she's not the one who asking more yeah. to, to, to explore the story, but for me, I was so disappointed and uh, upset about it.
0: So you feel like yeah, people being a lot more private mm. and like just keeping things to themselves. Yeah, like obviously everyone in your is like nosy, want like wants to ask about you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm oh, sorry, in, in English, what she said was like, when you eat up, they'd be like, what is wrong with you? Why do you have a headache? Oh, I didn't sleep enough, or I have this issue. Whereas, <laughs> it's just that like, you just cut off. Yeah. If I want to pan I you just want to pan <laughs> <That's> it off. <laughs> um, do you find even like, um, family dynamics different to be here? Like, the family dynamic um, of, obviously, you grew up with a very big family, um, did you observe differences in how people related to their families as well when when you, you spoke to your colleagues and stuff?
1: You mean like the the family uh, the the one in back home or? So
0: the differences between like when you talk to people from Australia about how their relationship is with their family, between the relationship you've always known to be in your families and the families back in Ethiopia. did you ever observe any differences? Not really. No. Yeah. You think that people in Australia are the same?
1: Yeah, yeah, we came, like, when you see it, even though we came from the same country, mm-hmm. when you know each other, we have a different background, like the different culture, mm. uh, different mentality. And, and uh, like, as you know, Ethiopia is a very big country. The West is d- different from East. Yeah. The East is different from South the south is very different from north mm. like we are a big uh cultural difference even we are in ethiopia so yeah. we, i learned so many different
0: cultures here mm, because you're forced to be yeah. together because yeah. you're here as opposed it's to together. in ethiopia yeah. like, you'll be separate but yeah. here you come to an even different like religion or different yeah, like different religion mm. different
1: belief Different culture, different type of food.
0: Mm. Yeah, even different type of um, like like class back background. Like yeah. a person might have been very rich in Ethiopia, they yeah. might have been very poor. Very, yeah, Somewhere yeah. in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It, most of the time here,
1: especially in the olden days, the people who who used to live really well lived in back home. Mm. They become poor here. Mm. Like just basic. Because they can't handle how to grow because they came from the top, Mm. yeah, from the bottom. Yeah. Unless they're really, really resilient and uh, stand up for themselves, do some study and work hard, they're gonna be poor. So, yeah, most of it happened like that. Yeah.
0: So you feel like, yeah. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, what about like in relation to, you know, you spent, you spent, I think it was how many years? Uh, I was five so when we went to Ethiopia mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. So you would have been here for six, seven years when we went. Mm-hmm. When you went back for the first time, how did you feel?
1: Yeah, I feel happy mm-hmm. that to meet my family and that to go back in, like, your own country. Yeah, I'm... Uh, at the same time, I feel I miss so many things again. Mm. <laughs> like when I compare from here to there. Yeah. Yeah. We like you feel you can tell you feel so many things. You miss so many things.
0: Like events in your family's yeah, life and things like of like
1: somebody passed away on the day. Somebody get away, uh, married you on the day. Mm. So they tell you the story. This happened. That happened.
0: Mm.
1: Even back that that days, it's not easy to talk over the phone here. Like yeah,
0: now. you had to you had to yeah. scream on the phone. Yeah.
1: And they pay a lot of money. Mm, but
0: you yeah. had to do phone card and yeah, stuff. Phone yeah, phone
1: card. And if you telestra took our money, a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Did you?
0: I remember when I remember really vividly. Uh, I think the first time I went was because your sister was in a car accident no yes yeah and i remember obviously you would have been emotional seeing her but you were i remember very vividly we i was i don't know what to do because you were just very emotional straight away Mm. what was your thinking when you or how did you feel what that made you so emotional when you first saw your sister
1: yeah the 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 accident was very big accident she 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 was lucky to be alive. So when I saw her standing up in front of me Mm. to greet me and it was a very emotional time, like I, I I was thinking like, Oh, she was dead and, but she's alive. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you've been back a few times now. The first time was obviously just quite close to when you immigrated, but the second time, um, the third, fourth and the most recent time being a few months ago, (coughs) What would you say are the most, the biggest changes you noticed in Ethiopia since you left almost 30 years ago?
1: You mean the recent experience? Yeah, or I mean, what
0: you all the, all, the, all the changes you noticed.
1: Yeah, the first time when I go back, um, like, the, the family love is still there. Everybody's looking after you. They tell you they miss you. And they ask you how you're doing and this and that. But when the second time I go... Uh, first of all, the population is different, like they're growing fast. A lot of people you see on the street um, and uh, like uh, no one bothers about you. Just They just, they just, uh, or everybody think like you are a millionaire here <coughs> and they're expecting to give them money, even whatever you do for them, they don't appreciate, they expect more. And they ask you, you do this, you do that, how uh, to get money here. They, they, they think they knew how to mm. get money here. They already know the information and they <laughs> try to tell you how to work and how to get money. Anyways, <clears throat> a bit different the second visit, but since then it's all different. Mm. Now completely different no one cares about you everybody's living his own life but lifestyle they they change it too is uh, life is getting tougher so everybody's focusing uh, on each on themselves yes yeah, so they're becoming like they don't see each other even though they live in the seat the same cities they don't even see each other for unless something serious happen
0: mm, so not as probably like becoming a bit more like he mm. like just not as family oriented like, more yeah. individualistic yeah. and stuff yeah mm, interesting what do you think is the reason just because
1: of life getting tough life life's getting tough and um like people's living um like it it looks like a competition mm. like they compete each other yeah the family value is getting lower well, interesting mm. interesting
0: so bringing it back to to here, um, what about, like, I know that you had that very, very quick jump into motherhood and, like, were you still missing your family? I know the worst of it was probably when you first came, but do you still miss or did you still miss when you were b- raising us up and to this day do you still miss your... Or do you feel like you've adjusted to life here? Yeah, I
1: pretty primit- much pretty much adjusted my life like especially when when my kids grow up and uh, yeah no, I'm not I'm not bothering that much for mm. like especially after I lost my parent I just I just my life here yeah. I always think to go back, but yeah. no,
0: no. See so if you feel like like the kind of the the magic's lost once your parents passed away. Like mm. there's no more, there's nothing appealing of going back yeah. to you. Yeah, like not even. Do you know what's interesting to me about you? So my mum has a a younger sister, who's only two years younger, and who looks like her bloody twin, literally, and they're very close. Even though like it's been thirty years, you and Ida are still so close. Yeah. How <laughs> like you're like glued to each other, even though you're halfway around the world. How did you maintain that relation, like that closeness?
1: Yeah, she's. Uh, kind of, like, I can't like I. don't have any word to explain about her. Like express <laughs> uh, about her. She's so good to me. Like to everyone in the family. Mm. She always like uh, she's our keeper. She always keep eye on everybody. She keep eye on me, you know, she help me, she, even she talk to me uh, almost every day. Mm. We talk, and if I need something, she get it for me. I say a word, I want this one, mm. she already get it for me. Mm. And then she said it to me by post, by people, everything. She try to make me comfortable here.
0: Mm, okay. And do you think that actually speaking to her was probably a, a coping mechanism, like being yeah, able to talk to her? Yeah, she, she
1: shared all my life, whatever mm. happened to me, whatever, whatever. Uh, I I used to, like, I, I still talk to her.
0: Yeah, I know. I think even even more now, because you can use uh, Face uh, WhatsApp and WhatsApp, yeah. Facebook and all that, you can yeah. talk to them no. more. Mm. Um, what else would you say are your other coping mechanisms, especially in those first those first few, like, years when it was really tough, like, you just came, then you had me, then you had my brother. What would you say were the best way you used to cope with what you were, like, dealing with as an immigrant? I don't
1: understand.
0: Like, what was your coping mechanisms?
1: Keep myself busy. Like, keep myself busy. And, um, yeah, I pray. I always, every Sunday, go to church, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, like actively, uh, like practicing in my church, like involving in every event in the church. Um, Yeah. And talking with my family, like, Mm. yeah, Mm. whatever happened, whatever I felt, I used to talk with my sister.
0: Okay. Um, For those of you who don't know, my mom is also a nurse from your entire nursing career, I think now it's been, from when I was nine, so 18 years now that you've been in mental health. Yeah. And in your work as in the mental health field, do you feel like you've gained some understanding about certain things and, you know, what goes on in our community and what even has gone on for you, like, even having a word for certain things like anxiety or blah, blah. Like, what have you, would you have... Would you learn? Have you, Would you say you've learned from your time as a, in in the mental health field about your own experience? Yeah,
1: I learned a lot of things to so like my work helped me for myself mm-hmm. to cope in so many ways, like to handle stress. Um, yeah, all the the basic cause of mental illness. Uh, I learned a lot and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just I used it for my own, like take it easy, Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, it it helped me working in mental health. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Do you do you now knowing what you know about mental health? Do you look back at certain things that you've experienced or that you've seen people and realize? Do and what do you think is really common in our community?
1: Postnatal depression. Mm-hmm. Which the people they, they they don't want to talk about, even they don't know, maybe mm-hmm. they don't know what's happening to them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, to be honest, even back home, uh, when, uh, when I saw the wow. our family how like our people how to support each other during the pregnancy and uh maternity time, that was like they scared they're gonna get sick, mm. yeah. So, even here is more common, yeah. but <clears throat> maybe some of – but very few of them, they continue having depression. Oh, okay. Yeah, once they get out from the maternity thing, mm. they get better. Okay, okay, Yeah.
0: What about things like PTSD? Do you realize that, like, probably when you look back, that probably a lot of people in our community or people that you grew up with um, that experienced a lot of the things that were happening in your at the time, do you realize – that that's common yeah
1: because um a lot of war in our country uh, a lot of things really bad thing happened but on this post-traumatic stress disorder i think it's depending it's up to the individual who's uh, susceptible to Mm. get affected by that Mm. other than that for our people i think every like most of like 90% of the population saw something bad in lifetime yeah. yeah. but who who's who do you think affected mm. N- not much
0: why do you think that is <laughs> like why do you think that we have like that there's more resilience i think so
1: more resilience and and i don't to be honest i don't know i don't understand how like the the young boy or uh, girl Somebody killed in front of them, even now.
0: Mm, yeah, what's going on now? Yeah, yeah.
1: even now. Like, mm. you, you see them, people, they came out from there and they run in their normal life.
0: Mm. And what do you <clears> think <throat> is the reason? Because behind that, that resilience. Reasons,
1: resilience. Yeah. Yeah. And what
0: do you think gives them that, what do you think gives them that resilience? Maybe
1: the, most of them, they are religious.
0: Mm. Have a
1: spirituality. Yeah, it helps them to come out from there. Mm.
0: Yeah. What about in terms of like what you see in, in issues that you see here in the communities, even in the families that live here but are from our community? Um, not even necessarily just Ethiopian, Ethiopian people, like people of all different immigrant backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Were you before you started your mental health, like working in mental health, were you surprised at the diversity of backgrounds that were being treated? In, in the, like, were you surprised that <clears throat> people from, like, because I think sometimes people think that it's a white people thing. And were you surprised when you saw the diversity of people when you first started working in mental health?
1: Mm, not really. Okay. No. Um, yeah, of course, like, the, you see diversity, but at, back those days when I started working in mm-hmm. mental health, most of them are white people
0: oh back then yeah when
1: did the in- increase and start recently and the that time is really genuine mental he- mental health like mm-hmm. but these days for like from 10 15 years back
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's mixed drug induced
0: oh okay okay yeah. so
1: recently like back 10 years or Start seeing especially African mm. um, Asian, of course. Asian, few Asian, I used to see them, but mm-hmm. more uh, African, like recently
0: getting into getting drug in injury stuff, psychosis.
1: They, they mix even though they diagnose with uh, mental illness, they still mixing with mm. drug oh it's so it, it starts with drug induced psychosis
0: oh wow, yeah. and you feel like that's been a like yeah in the last ten fifteen years mm. wow do you feel like there's any reason for that or do you feel like they just got, they've gone the wrong way or what do you think is the cause oh
1: like it's different it could be different for sure it's different like uh, uh if if they came from home like if they born back home and they come here mm. that cultural shock yeah <coughs> and uh, if they born here maybe the the acceptance like bullying at school mm. <coughs> and uh, the family like upbringing outside white style mm. inside the background style mm. so they get confused they don't see themselves as where to stand mm. so all that's uh, stuff contribute to the, uh, the thing
0: happened to them I remember you've always said to me that you know a certain age range is really bad to have immigrated here like as a teenager mm. you observe that what made you s- you always said that to me even if you if you had kids back home you'd wait for them to grow up a bit before you brought them instead yeah, of bringing them in their teenage sure. years why do you think it's so dangerous to immigrate during that time in your life
1: yeah, like um, because they when they grow up, like the ways they start seeing themselves. So there is a hormonal change mm. in their own body, and uh, <clears throat> they couldn't see themselves as. Say like the 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 uh, kids they came maybe they they came from high family, they looked after very well. They used mm. to go to a good school, mm. so. They came here. If mm-hmm. they can't communicate with the people, yeah. and they can't see themselves in this community, so all this, this stuff is going through the the way they think. So some of them they cope. They really work hard and to get to be a better person. Some of them they go like. Um, Um, copy mechanisms they go in the wrong way, they Mm. start drinking or Mm. having drug or things like that Mm. Mm.
0: Do you feel like, because I I know even as an adult it's even hard so of course for a teenager it'd be really really difficult Yeah Yeah. Um, What, back to you know your immigration, what did you see from Australia that you really liked or that you've you've come to appreciate, maybe you didn't like it in the beginning, but now you realize that it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, the the country has a system already established to support the people. Yeah, whether you work or not, like the government supports in any way. Mm. They help you with, uh, if you want to work, they support you. If you want to study, they support you. Mm. If you get sick, they support you. If you are not working, they still support you so they they have a, a good uh system established uh to support people
0: um
1: as long as they use it in like in good way
0: so the stru- the actual um the actual structure of the country mm. the a system yeah something that a lot of my friends find really frustrating even though we love going back to our countries is the fact that nothing works properly <laughs> like yeah, Corrupted. <laughs> not just corrupted, but even just the time, the service, it's just disorganized. Yeah. I think that's definitely a big problem in a lot of third world countries.
1: Yeah. Before the
0: the established
1: that type of system, the population is growing very fast. Mm. I think everything
0: is disorganized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it grew too fast to catch up to it. Mm. Yeah. Um what else do you wanna hang out? What about like you know, seeing differences Do you find it difficult when we were growing up to understand me and my brother? Like, that? Did you feel we were very different to you? Like, you couldn't understand the way we were?
1: Yeah. You become far. Like, I don't understand you. (laughs) Because, like, as a family, you joke around. You say uh, things. Even they don't bother. Like, we never bother. But he, i very sensitive. No, I mean. He (laughs) says this to me. (laughs) He says this to me. (laughs) me. She pick on me. (laughs) You bully me <laughs>
0: Okay, even when we were young? Yeah, a <laughs> look of disgust on my mum's face right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> can you name it can you name a time when we were young that really surprised you and you are like, Oh, they're so different to me?
1: Not very like when uh, right after you turn a uh, teenager? I don't yeah. Uh, teenager, you start. They uh, say something to me. You, know, you did this, so you did that, that. Yeah, something like that. But, like, back home, no matter what my mom said, even I don't remember. That's
0: <laughs> because she beat it out of you.
1: She beat me. <laughs> she gave me a What Even she talked with her eyes. Do this, do that. <laughs> I understand what my mom said. Open how her eyes. Follow all that instruction, <laughs> but still, uh, like I never remember those. Uh, I I never think that was really to hurt me or to do something bad to me. Like she's my mom; she has to guide me. That's my in my
0: head. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what, but what about when we were, like? I remember one time you told this story of when my brother came home saying the f word from preschool. Ah. One. <laughs> and, you, and he, he said he said he got it from this kid. Let's call the kid Bob for the sake of this. He said you, you asked him where'd you learn this word. He said I got it from Bob. He said you can't hang. And you said you can't hang around with Bob anymore. He's a bad boy. Yeah. And then I said you can't say that to Bobby. You you hurt his
1: yeah, hurt his feelings. <laughs> You're gonna hurt his feelings. Just just play with him, but don't copy him. He said <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> So did you What what did you feel When I said that Yeah I learned
1: something (laughs) Like I learned something From my Four or Five years old (laughs) Daughter
0: (laughs) I feel like that's because In our culture Or in your culture I should say Children shouldn't speak Back to adults That's your main surprise Like When you were young In Ethiopia Whatever your mum Or your dad said You have to Follow You have to follow it
1: the neighbors, elderly, they tell you off. Why don't you go there? I saw you this time. This wrong time. I saw you there. He, even your neighbors. That's it. You have to follow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Whereas here, like we obviously have our own. Yeah, we have our own mind. Like we can't just be told what to do. Mm-hmm. Did you find that challenging, or did you just adjust to it?
1: No, I, have, I, uh, I just now, like I just I have to, I have to adjust on this way because. This is the way they grow up. Mm-hmm. This is the way they see people doing it. So yeah, I have to follow up. I don't need to tell them what to do. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, all in all, what would you say have been, you know, the most I'll start with with the most challenging part of immigrating and then the most rewarding part of immigrating to Australia? Mm challenging is all the life is challenging
1: you have <laughs> everything to, you, have to, you have to do work from cooking cleaning everything is challenging because everything you have to do it to, to yourself oh
0: so cooking and cleaning and stuff is challenging
1: yeah start from there you, you have to do everything babysitting taking to the school brings them back takes them to activity makes them study do the homework all this by yourself like you, you and your partner have to you have to share. There's the no
0: like village to help you, is
1: what you're no, saying. No. Yeah, you can't you can't hire even to help you somebody to work in the in the house.
0: <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. you obviously in Ethiopia, you're used to having if you're middle class or above you no. have some kind of house help. Yeah,
1: even when it's really hard you can hire somebody for the day or two. Ooh. Like even though you don't have um, a servant in the house, housemaid in the house. Anyways, um, yeah, you have to be everywhere uh, while you are here. On the top of that, um, you have to support your uh, family back home if they need support, they're expecting from you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, that's That's the most challenging. challenging. What about rewarding? Rewarding, yeah. I realize now, like, let my. Recently, because if if you what just now after twenty eight, you just you just realize if I don't work, I'm, I'm not going to starve. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I have something, something. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: other than that, no, nah. no, nah. that's it. The rewarding is maybe you can live without
0: working. Okay. Hmm. Okay. And finally, last part. What if someone, if you could speak to someone, to a young Ethiopian person who's bought their ticket, ready to go to Ethiopia, they're flying out tomorrow. What advice would you give them?
1: The, the one they're born here. No, oh.
0: a, a person in Ethiopia g- leaving to come to Australia. Oh, okay. what advice would you give them?
1: Yeah, be open-minded. Don't don't see the the the, the current situation. Mm-hmm. You will get over this hardship like you are adjusting, you but take it bit by bit don't take everything at all at once so you will get there hmm,
0: mm-hmm. interesting okay well thank you so much for coming mummy nice chat find out some new things about you as well <laughs> my pleasure thank you all right say bye bye